The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot to listen uh, for listening to us and uh, for being so loyal to us and for our per capita uh, listenership to be so high. And uh, we thank you. Thank you to our sponsors as well. So, Bubba, uh, you turn on the radio, you turn on the television, you look at your phone. There's some news, some blurbs. Very much of it positive. Uh, over the last two days, yes. Oh, because of the stock market. Yeah, because you right. had a little bit of. You know, I, I would say this. So I'm I'm a little bit uh, out of the loop sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Really, the only news that I watch is financial based. Okay. So I, you know, I've got CNBC on, or you know, uh, Bloomberg Television. You mm-hmm. know, a couple of those outlets, that sort of thing. Okay. And most of the the alerts that I get from a news perspective are uh, around the financial markets and the economy and that sort of thing. Okay. So when it comes to world events, mm-hmm. unless it's something really big, like you know, Queen Elizabeth dying mm-hmm. or something along those lines, I'm not going to see it. And okay. I, you know, yeah, and and that. Uh, maybe helps your attitude. It huh? probably does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I mean, you know, whether there's a war or a rumor of a war, or the interest rates up or interest rates down, or it's a presidential election or not, uh, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, most of the time you get negative stuff, and they save some little feel-good thing for the end of the broadcast right. most of the time, mm-hmm. right? Well, today I want to do a little checkup of the American consumer. Okay. And this is, by and large, pretty decent, uh, decently positive information. Mm-hmm. So let's just, if you did a checkup of uh, your clients and you call them in for their yearly review, you're going to go over uh, investment statements, what's happening in their world, did they pay down their debt, did they buy the insurance, did they get the will, what is your personal net worth statement, your balance sheet mm-hmm. look like, that sort of thing, right? Right. So let's look at the, uh, the America and in, in, in toto, the mm-hmm. total American balance sheet for the consumer. Okay. The American consumer's balance sheet. Now, before we go too far past that, let's explain again what a balance sheet is, whether it's your business or your personal one. Mm-hmm. What's a balance sheet? Uh, so a balance sheet is basically, um, it's very. I guess it would uh, be similar to a net worth statement. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going with this? Mm-hmm. So uh, a balance sheet, you would list on one side of the paper all of your assets, And on the other side of the paper, on the right-hand column of the paper, everything that you owe for, all your liabilities. Right. 
and then you hope that there's a positive difference there. Yeah. That your assets are more than your liabilities. So you open, you add up your assets, mm-hmm. and it's a couple hundred thousand. You add up your liabilities, mm-hmm. and it's uh, seventy five thousand. And so your net worth mm-hmm. is one hundred twenty five thousand dollars right. in that example, mm-hmm. right? Correct. So let's talk about. Um, all of those assets, the things I own that would go on the left side. Okay. You got your checking accounts. Right. Maybe investment accounts. Okay. Maybe retirement accounts. Okay. Uh, More than likely a home Mm -hmm. is going to be on there. Mm Mm-hmm. Although it's a depreciating and a costly asset, a vehicle Mm -hmm. could be on there because it does have a value. Yeah. What's it worth today? Right. Right. Uh, personal property, personal effects, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. land, mm-hmm. if you own any of that. Right. Um, maybe maybe you've got gold, mm-hmm. you know, stuck away somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are the things that you would own. All right. Mm-hmm. So over on that side, let's go through. And the- on my sheet, I've got also a winning personality. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. there, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and, and this got to be worth something. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so over on that side, let's talk about where the American consumer is. Everybody's stuff mm-hmm. thrown together. What does the American consumer's balance sheet look like? Okay. All right, and this is according to J.P. Morgan Asset Management, uh, and and the information's just come out within the last month here. Now, now we're mid- we're talking about uh, three hundred and fifty million people. No, that's right, right. Now, of that, you've got a certain number of them who are minors yep. or children, yep. right? But we're yep. talking about an average of the American population. This is the total of the American total population. of the American population. Everything, okay. the total assets of the American population, add up to about one hundred and seventy trillion dollars. All right. Right. I don't know if my calculator has that many zeros. Yeah, so that's about yeah. $170 trillion is uh, the total assets. So if we take up Daddy Warbucks over there, our executive producer, Phil Womack, and his millions, and then we throw in our paltry amounts, we're part of that. And then you throw in Warren Buffett, and you throw in Bill Gates, and you throw in all the other uh, U.S. citizens, it adds up to about a, uh, close to $170 trillion. All right, so I may be way off on this, and I, mm. I think I did the math right. That equates to about four hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars of net worth That's per in or or of assets per individual per, in America. Per individual, per individual. All right, and as you said, a number mm-hmm. of those are minors. Right. A, so, n- a number of them could be billionaires. That's exactly right. right. So, so we've when, thrown them all mm-hmm. in one mix and said, "What's America worth?" Yeah. The, at least the consumers. All right, so how was that made up of? Well, let's talk real estate. All right, um, and that's homes, mm-hmm. that's uh, farmland, that uh, that that's uh, what Com- your, commercial properties, your, what your yeah. grandmother may have left you, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, and all of that adds up to about thirty-two percent of that number. Okay. So if you take 170 trillion and multiply it times 32 percent, that's about what we have in real estate that's owned mm-hmm. by consumers. Okay. Now there's a bunch of real estate that's owned by uh, businesses. There's a bunch of real estate that that's owned by foreigners. You know. Yep. But what's owned by American citizens? Uh, it's a little over 30 percent mm-hmm. of the 170 trillion dollars. Okay. Now. That's pretty logical. Yeah. Because one of the first things your grandmother told you is uh, you need to buy and own a house. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Uh, by and large, I agree with that. Yeah. 
two or three reasons I think that Americans should own at least their home is first of all, you own it. Nobody can kick you out. You got always mm-hmm. have a roof over your head. Right. The other thing is it's kind of a forced savings. Mm-hmm. Most of us had a, p- a payment that was made up the equity and the interest. Sure. And by the time we had the thing paid off, we had this equity. We had this home that was our value, and we did it on a monthly basis. You didn't have to come up with $150,000 at one time. Right. It's a great thing. And we're going to go to break, and we're going to come back and continue to break down uh, this balance sheet of the American public here on the Advisors Roundtable Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you here on Super Talk Radio. So um, we're talking today about the American consumer's balance sheet, or the, the, the total, um, how it looks for America. About $170 trillion. Now... We talked the first segment of it, about 32% of it is um, is real estate in some form or the other uh, that is owned by the American consumer. All right. Here's so, a- so based on my math, right, mm-hmm. that equates to about $155,000 per, per American consumer that's about that right. they would own in, in real estate. That's right. That, that's about right. All right. Now, and as you said, you know, some of those people are minors, some of those mm-hmm. People are disabled. Some of those people can't own. So that means some people like Daddy Warbucks mm-hmm. over here owns millions right. of dollars worth of real estate, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, something interesting here. All of the numbers that I'm going to give you are easy to track except one. Okay. It's easy to keep up with what bank deposits are or retirement plans are or uh, investment assets. You know, you can mm-hmm. look at somebody's Charles Schwab statement and get a number. Right. All right. There's one called unaccounted for cash. Yep. All right. Now, it well, makes it, it's up. It's got to be somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, the mint prints it. Yeah. And they know how much is out there. They know how much they've taken in and collected, yeah. right? How much went to taxes yeah. and how much mm-hmm. uh, went through the checkout line yeah. at JCPenney and how much still left in the bank. Right. And so they've done the calculation and they think that out of the $170 trillion, mm-hmm. almost $8 trillion of it okay. is just unaccounted for cash. All right. Now, at first, you'd say, there's no way there's $8 trillion just lying around mm-hmm. somewhere. But how many people you know keep a little cash? Um, I know a lot of people that keep cash. You know, they, they, they keep it in a safe at home. They, they keep it in the shoe box. They keep it in a, a, a lock box at the bank. Uh, there are a number of people who keep mm-hmm. cash, and it's not in the traded system. Right. And so that's an approximate, uh, approximation. So if you take about that $8 trillion mm-hmm. of unaccounted for cash out of the equation, there's only about $162 trillion that we're really keeping up with. Right. That there's any mm-hmm. way to really track to really yeah. track it. And guess, guess what? That number is growing. Yeah. That unaccounted for cash number is growing. Before I get past that, why do you think it's growing? Uh, I think in any time that you've got uncertainty, mm-hmm. people tend to stockpile and hoard cash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I, I don't personally do that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was going to try to make a joke here, and, and it didn't quite work out, because I don't believe that I've got $22,000 in my, co- uh, my, my couch cushions, right? <laughs> but that's what the number works out to be. 22000 Yep. 
If I take eight trillion, divide it by the three hundred and fifty million. Really? Yeah. There's an average of twenty two thousand dollars cash, which means that there are some people who are holding hundreds of thousands. That's right. Because right. you and your kids yeah. don't have it. You, now, you don't believe it or don't need it. Or, now, and I don't know if it's uh, from the consumer uh, standpoint, right? A lot of people deal in cash and cash only. So from that aspect, there may be that unaccounted for cash out there, and the that average may be, may be brought down uh, yeah, considerably right. for that. Yeah, and then as we said, there are some people that probably may be sitting on $100,000 mm-hmm. worth of, of cash. We had a conversation a year or two ago with a guy, and how much did he say he was keeping in, was it maybe a guitar box yeah. or a mm-hmm. guitar case or something like yeah. that? Like a hundred and something thousand mm-hmm. dollars cash? Yeah. My goodness. Uh, that's a security issue. Yeah. Don't take, tell me. To- take a couple of thousand dollars <laughs> and go buy a fireproof safe. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be bolted to a concrete floor yeah. and put the guitar inside <laughs> yeah. inside the fireproof safe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess he thought people wouldn't look in a mm-hmm. guitar case if they're trying to yeah. rob his house. But if he told too many people, there'd mm-hmm. be a lot of people trying to rob his house right. looking for the guitar case. Yeah. All right. So we have, we've got real estate consumers own. We got unaccounted for cash out there. Um, deposits in banks. All right, that's about fifteen uh, percent of the number. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at about one hundred and seventy uh, trillion, you know, fifteen percent of that is somewhere around twenty nine, thirty trillion trillion dollars right. of just deposits in banks. Mm-hmm. And you can easily track that, you know, because banks have to do reporting about mm-hmm. how much cash they have, how much they have right. in CDs, and, and 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 CDs are considered part of bank deposits. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, that number is going up too. Yep. Also relative to how people feel about maybe their investments, how they feel about mm-hmm. the economy, how they feel about, uh, you know, the fact that their job is going to be there and, you know, they need mm-hmm. to have something to rely on and, and, uh, fall back on if the, if they, one of us loses our jobs, retirement accounts, 19%. Okay. Okay. So, you know, 19% of 170 trillions, somewhere around 33, $34 trillion mm-hmm. are in reti- out there yeah. in retirement account. And the rest of it is just other financial assets. Well, uh, let's go back to retirement accounts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because I, I would say for most individuals, real estate or a home and retirement accounts are going to make up the bulk of their their financial assets at least the people you and I see well at least the people that you and I see yeah, right yeah um, but you said real estate made up how much the real estate was 32 percent 32 percent and then uh, around 30 percent in retirement accounts right uh, no retirement accounts was 19 19 percent yeah. So you're talking okay. almost 50%. 50%, right? So yeah. 50% made up in real estate and retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. And who are the individuals that typically have the larger balances in those? Mm-hmm. The baby boom generation. Yeah, the right? older folk. Older folks, yeah. right? And I'm not picking on older folks no. here. I mean, Daddy no. Warbucks over here. <laughs> He's one of them. Born between 46 and 64, right? But here's, here's mm-hmm. what I see going forward, mm-hmm. right? We're about to experience one of the largest transfers of wealth that our 
you know, civilization has ever experienced. Probably the largest. The largest, right? Meaning that Daddy Warbucks over there uh-huh. passes away and, and then leaves it to his two favorite sons. Exactly, yeah. you and me. Right, mm-hmm. right. So what happens when that is transferred is going to be interesting. I, I, it's going to be a very interesting to watch and, and see how that plays out. Yeah, because you know how he got it? Mm-hmm. He worked hard and I won't yeah. say hoarded, right? but saved. You think the next generation is going to be... How are we going to get it? The old-fashioned way, right? We're going to inherit it. (laughs) And do you think that, you know, generations after that, Mm -hmm. people born after 1964, the generation X's and Y's and and, 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 uh, millennials and all those people, Mm -hmm. do you think those people are going to be as interested in saving if it, you know, he was interested in saving because he didn't inherit a whole lot. Right. I may not be as interested in saving if and, I don't have to, you know, if you know, to work for it like he did. And the influences that the greatest generation had on the baby boom generation, oh, yeah. right? Oh, because yeah. Yeah. the greatest generation all lived through and, and were coming up during the time of the Great Depression, that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which had caring uh, and lasting effects on the baby boom generation, et cetera, et cetera. Without a doubt. Right? So their their attitude and approach to money is going to be very different than the Generation X uh, mm-hmm. and 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 going forward, yep. right? Yep. So would you say that this these newer generations, those born from the early '60s on, mm-hmm. the last sixty years, would you say that say that those people are a little more progressive? Those people are. A little more socially conscious. Those people are concerned a little bit more about the environment. Those people are a little different than people who born before them. Generally speaking, I would say yes to all those. Yeah, political and otherwise, mm-hmm. right? And those people are the younger people, the ones who are going to inherit this. You think they're going to be as apt to save or apt to spend related to those who went before them. If if you know that you're going to inherit, then what's the point in saving? Uh, right? We've actually had people yeah. tell us that, right? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm going to inherit $10 million, so why do I need to put money in a 401k? Right. I mean, I mm-hmm. had somebody tell me that. Sure. And I, and I say, you know, you need to save on taxes, and you, don't you feel like mm-hmm. you need to be, uh, you know, contributing to the whole thing? And they're like, no. It's all <laughs> well and good until Daddy Warbuck says, well, boys, I've decided to leave it to charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, planning on that, it should be kind of gravy money to you. But you're planning on it uh, and actually getting it yet, we have seen mm-hmm. people change their attitudes. Sure. Uh, later in in life, but my point is that if you're going to be more consumption oriented, aren't you going to be contributing to more trash? Mm-hmm. I can save a hundred dollars, or I can go out and buy something that's going to wear out in a couple years, and I'm going to have to throw it out in the and and that seems to be inconsistent with a generation that's all about the environment. Exactly. Yep. 
I don't think they hear themselves or see themselves they don't, yeah. or are conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Cause you give me $10 million, you're probably going to change my consciousness mm-hmm. too, you know? Yeah. Right? So this next generation that is going to inherit this great uh, transfer of wealth, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it and what happens to our environment. That's right. Associated with that. A number of issues related to just looking at mm-hmm. the balance sheet of the average American, especially America and Toto. We're going to take another break. When we come back. We're going to continue to talk about these numbers and maybe their impact on you here at the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Cooley and Labus with you here on Super Talk Radio. And we're talking about the consumer balance sheet and trillions of dollars uh, for the total of America here, all the, mm-hmm. all the people in America. So all the assets, about $170 trillion. And we've broken out how that breaks out. Now, before we get past that, let's kind of think about how you're doing personally. Right. Compared to the rest of America. Mm-hmm. So let's say that the average American, what did we say, somewhere around $400,000 would be their breakout? Four hundred and fifty to 480000 right, I think so is a good number. So to make the math easy, let's say four hundred grand. Okay. All right, so 32, 33% of that mm-hmm. are going to be in real estate. Right. Well, you said that's about $125,000 to $130,000. That's right. Uh, so you ask yourself, mm-hmm. how am I doing? Yep. Uh, Do I own a house worth 130000 Yeah. Yeah. Then you add in bank deposits of about mm-hmm. 15%. Right. So 15% of mm-hmm. four hundred grand is uh, $60,000. $60, yeah. Do you have $60,000 in cash? Mm. and or bank accounts that you can readily uh, access. CDs, mm-hmm. uh, cash. Money market money accounts, market savings market accounts. savings of checking yeah. accounts. Mm-hmm. All right. Retirement accounts, 19%. Let's say 20%. Yep. That's $80,000 $80, or more. Yeah. All right. And then other investable assets. Now, now keep in mind that this is, uh, these are broad categories they and are. broad st- strokes. They are. So yeah. somebody that's just graduating college yeah, yeah, is yeah. not going to be anywhere. But somebody age 60 yeah. might say, hey, yeah. you know, if I'm not meeting up to these averages, I might be a little behind, yeah. right? Yeah, because we get down mm-hmm. to the other investable assets of about 40%. Mm-hmm. You know, 40% of 400000 is about one hundred and sixty. You right. got that in a mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade account right. or, you know, you trading it on Robinhood mm-hmm. or you got a financial advisor that's helping you and your spouse. Um, manage that money. Uh, how are you measuring measuring up? Right now, that's on the asset side. Let's mm-hmm. go over on the liability side. Okay. What what do we owe? All right, in America, the number of total liabilities is only nineteen point six trillion. That uh, that shocks me. Yeah, I would think that it would be a lot more than that. Yeah. So people okay. have. And that number has come down. The servicing, the the debt, the household debt service ratio has come down significant. I mean, um, back in, let's say, 10 years ago, 2010 to 2012, um, the average America, American owed about 15 to 16 percent mm-hmm. of their um, of their personal wealth in some kind of debt. Now it's down, you know, less than nine. Uh, for the average person. Um, so, you know, that, that's great. Uh, so, what it, what's made up in those liabilities? One's mortgages. Yep. 
All right. So mortgages making up about to equate this to the average person out there, mm-hmm. the three hundred and fifty million, we're looking at around sixty thousand dollars in overall debt owed. Yeah. Now there's some people they've been out of mm-hmm. debt for years. Sure. You know, your granddad's he's sixty two mm-hmm. years or seventy two years old, whatever his age is, mm-hmm. and he probably got himself out of debt in his forties or fifties. Worked really hard right. the first twenty or thirty years of his life. Got that mortgage paid mm-hmm. off. He hasn't he hasn't financed a car sure. in mm-hmm. years. So he's skewing you, right? <laughs> if if you owe you know a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right, on a mortgage and cars and revolving mm-hmm. debt and that sort of thing. So let's talk about how it breaks out. Number one is sixty five percent in mortgages. Okay. All right. Uh, next, student debt. Ten mm-hmm. percent. Okay. Okay. Um, but but still, that's one point nine two trillion dollars worth of student debt, right? Yeah. 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 Auto loans ten percent. Okay. Revolving credit five percent. All right. Now, when I say revolving credit, what am I talking about? Credit cards. Credit cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem one to be- trillion dollars seems low to me. Yeah. Yeah, when you like in the numbers that we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? One mm-hmm. trillion in in revolving credit cards seems low to me. Yeah, and maybe balances, right? Not just necessarily usage, because mm-hmm. you know, Daddy Warbucks over there might put a thousand dollars on for various activities, maybe his right. gas and his groceries and going out to eat mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, been paying off at the end. So it's yeah. not not considered revolving, mm-hmm. but he's using the debt mechanism in some way. Yeah. Non-revolving debt, such as you know, personal loans, you go down to the bank, mm-hmm. you need three thousand dollars to be able to fix the fence around mm-hmm. the back of your house, that sort of thing. Uh, that's only three percent. Okay. All right. So all of that adds up to over nineteen trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. The the balance sheet then looks good. Yeah, it does. So if you got a hundred and seventy on one side and mm-hmm. twenty or less on the other side, I mean, there's there's about a about a hundred and fifty right trillion dollars mm-hmm. worth of net worth out there. Mm-hmm. That's a a positive thing. I think that's a very positive thing. So how has it grown? Let's just talk about practically how it gets there. The mm-hmm. kid that gets gets straight out of high school or straight out of college, mm-hmm. and he or she aspires to be Daddy Warbucks yep. by the time they get to be sixty years old. Mm-hmm. How do they get to where they have real estate and how do they get to where they have savings and where they have a retirement account and they have other investment accounts? How do you get there? I, I, I liken this to eating an elephant one bite at a time, mm-hmm. right? So how do you get there? Well, you, you start with the basics. Mm-hmm. You need cash or an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you start building savings. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you talk about, well, you know, with these savings, am I going to buy another asset, mm-hmm. a house, mm-hmm. or am I going to borrow some money to go buy a house, mm-hmm. or am I going to buy a vehicle or, or whatever that might be, mm-hmm. right? But it starts with these small building blocks, and then before you know it, it's like magic. Yeah. And then you just look up one day, and you're like, well, you know, I've got a, a net worth of half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do this exercise mm-hmm. with people when they come to our office yeah. and they've not done it. Right. I mean, they may be 65 years old and mm-hmm. they've just had their head down, nose yeah. to the grindstone, saving, paying things off, yeah. investing, whatever. Yeah. 
And they look up and Bubba says, uh, you know, uh, you need a will. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really need a will. I don't have that much. Well, you're worth $1.6 million. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm not. And most people think that a millionaire is Jed Clampett, who struck it rich, you know? <laughs> yeah. A bubbling crude, right? A bubbling crude, right? Right. But it adds up faster than people realize. It does. Mm-hmm. So the first point you need to make to the kids starting out and they want to be daddy warbucks, mm-hmm. you, you need to say, hey, um, slow and steady. Yeah. When's the race? One bite at a time. The elephant mm-hmm. will be consumed. You'll be fine. Uh, so, and, and here's another thing that, that I see uh, quite often. Um, younger individuals will uh, try to compare themselves with somebody else that has 40 years in the working world. Ooh, great point. You know, yeah. so Daddy Warbucks, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, is wealthy because he he followed all the appropriate steps and did the things that he needed to do mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get there. Mm-hmm. And then younger individuals get out of college and they think, man, I need to be like Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. Why am I not there yet? I want a house right? like that. I want well, he's got a 40 year head start on you. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's like you say, you know, you want to run the marathon mm-hmm. and, you know, the 70 year old who's been running every day. For the last 50 years of his life, since he got out of college, mm-hmm. uh, he's on mile 25 and a half. Right. And here you are on mile zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, quit trying to catch up to him. That's right. Run your own race. And part of that's patience, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. The other is persistence. You. you and, and all of that's related to a plan. I know I'm sounding like mm-hmm. alliter- using alliteration right. here. But you got to have a plan so that you can show patience and you can have some persistence so, so that the thing will work. But it's not going to be over t- overnight. Exactly. Because I'm looking at the American, to- in total, balance sheet here, and that was put together over about 250, 300 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, in order for Phil to have what he has, part of it he did work and save mm-hmm. for himself. Part of it is his mom and dad were pretty good with money, right. and they ran their own business, and they left him something. Right. Well, they may have gotten part of where... Or, or his mom and dad sacrificed to a degree mm-hmm. to send him to, to get a better education, right? And we've mm-hmm. talked about uh, the benefits of, of education and your lifetime earnings. Yep. Yep. And that university mm-hmm. was there because somebody else a few mm-hmm. generations ago decided to take some of their net worth and do a land grant thing right. and try to build the buildings and raise the money. And mm-hmm. all that has accumulated over a few hundred years. Sure. Um, and now we're sitting here with $170 trillion of net worth for us to appreciate and to enjoy and to think about what we're going to do when we inherit our part of it. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that we're responsible with it. I really hope that we show appreciation to those previous generations to the extent that we don't do anything stupid. There will be those that spend it all on wine and women, and the rest of it will just blow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're right, because that's just the way we are. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we can't have some fun along the way, but we also need to think there are other generations coming after Mm -hmm. us. From the Advisors Roundtable on Superdog, we're going to continue this discussion in the next segment. 
to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. And so, Bubba, we've been talking about some statistics that we kind of nerd out mm-hmm. on, and specifically how appreciative we are to J.P. Morgan Asset Management for uh, putting together a lot of these uh, really cool graphs for us about yep. once a quarter we look at. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about the, um, the, the consumer balance sheet and that sort of thing. I, I want to talk about another related to consumers. A thing called consumer confidence. Okay. All right. So let's say that Phil Womack, our Daddy Warbucks executive producer here, is the average American. I wouldn't really wish that on him. Right. But we're going to kind of Mm -hmm. um, assume that here. So he's the average American. Would you say the average American has a love-hate relationship with the stock market? Yes. Now, on what basis would you make that statement that the average American has this love-hate relationship? Well, I would say that generally the American public either loves the stock market when it's doing well or hates it when it's doing bad. Really? And there's no in-between. Do you hear that in your office? All the time. Every day. Huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fired up when the yeah. futures are up. Mm-hmm. And they're fired up when their stocks went up. Yep. They're fired up when their 401k is bigger this year than mm-hmm. it was last year, right? Yep. Oh, they just love it. I mean, you can almost see it in their eyes, this relationship they have with the stock market. But then when the stock market is down, yeah. when the stock market is not performing as well as they want, want it to this year, mm-hmm. when it doesn't measure up to last year, something happened. Mm-hmm. Fix it, Bubba. Right. Right? And they're mad. They don't like it. Well, that's a, and that it's not just the stock market that consumer confidence is a reflection of. It's the general economy. It's interest rates. It's the uh, the, the the feeling of security they have from their present job. There's a lot of stuff that goes into consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things about this particular graph, it goes up back over the last fifty years. So if people are listening to me on a blog or the radio right now, just just imagine this. You're you're looking at a graph mm-hmm. and imagine the up and down right. of a squiggly line. Yeah. All right. You have the peaks and you have the valleys. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of continue straight across with this yep. up and down. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, in the peaks are times when consumer confidence is great. Right. I'm going to go back over the last 50 years and just talk about that. So last 50 years, 1972, consumer confidence was pretty good. Okay. Okay. Um, And then consumer confidence went way down because we hit the oil embargoes Mm -hmm. and all the issues related to Iran-Contra and uh, uh, Iran hostages and whatever. All right. Then in 1984... It was pretty high. Mm-hmm. We'd come through. We'd had a presidential election, mm-hmm. uh, gotten us past the 1970s, and it was pretty nice. 2000, yep. it was really good. Uh, after the mm-hmm. dot-com th- thing and before we got to the time when everybody yep. would, uh, well, actually, it was right after everybody freaked out mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, all the computers were not going to work and right. at the end of 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in 2007, now this is when you got cursed. Mm-hmm. In 2007, you told people that old, um, what was his Greenspan's yeah. comment about irrational exuberance? Mm-hmm. People were just absolutely too, too positive. That's right. Stock market mm-hmm. was crazy good. Yeah. And you were telling people, let's take a little bit off mm-hmm. the table. And what'd they say to you? 
What are you, crazy? <laughs> yeah. We're making money hand over fist. I made 14% the last two years. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 2015, people were positive. 2020, before Mm -hmm. we had the pandemic, people were positive. Let's go back and talk about when people were negative. All right. Their consumer confidence was low in the midst of the 1970s. 1975, Mm -hmm. consumer confidence was way down. Yep. As a measurement, the way they do it is like from zero to 100. 100 is euphoria. Right. We've actually never been at, uh, well, only one time have we bumped at 100, and it was back around 2000. Okay. The rest of the time, we stay somewhere in the 80s, like mm-hmm. 85.6 is the average for consumer okay. confidence. When we get to lows, we get to these troughs, we're down in the 50s. Okay. So we were down in the 50s on consumer confidence in the middle of 1975. In May of 1980, just before Mm -hmm. the election, uh, Reagan Carter, that sort of thing, at the time that there was the Mm -hmm. hostage situation situation in Iran. Uh, Then we had 1990 was uh, a real dip. 2008, Mm -hmm. all right, big time dip. Uh, 2020, little recession we had in there Mm -hmm. related to the pandemic. Right. And 2022. Okay. All right. Down in the 50s. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, this is one of the things I want to talk about related to statistics. All of those peaks that we talked about, 72, 84, 2000, 2007, Mm -hmm. 2015, 2020, things were great. Yeah. Consumer confidence. Guess what happened the next year in the stock market? Usually down. Absolutely. I'm going to go back and count them. All right. In 72, the next year, down year. In 84, Mm -hmm. was a positive year the next year. In 2020, or in in 2000, a down year. Mm -hmm. In 2015, from a consumer confidence high, to a down year. In 2020, it was one of the positive years. And in 2022, was a, uh, we don't know. Right. We don't know where that's going to go. All right. So when we're feeling great, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, we're probably going to be down on the stock market. Yeah. However, let's go to the troughs. Okay. All those bottoms. When you're feeling bad. When we're feeling bad. Mm-hmm. I want to sell everything I own. It hurts to own it. I don't even look at my statements Things anymore. can't get any worse. Can't get any worse. Yeah. Middle of ni- uh, 1975, when we were down under 50 mm-hmm. consumer, co- or, or, or under 60 in the 50s consumer confidence, next year it was up 22%. Yeah. 1980, my, May of 1980, when we had the, uh, the hostages and some people didn't mm-hmm. like Mr. Carter and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff going on. And we had uh, the beginning of televised deba- debates started back yeah. in the 60s, but it really cranked up with every one of the, right. the networks getting um, into it in the mm-hmm. 1980s. So consumer confidence was down just about 50. Okay. Next year... Stock market up 20. 1990, consumer confidence way low. Next year, stock market up 29%. 2000, 
market up 32%. percent mm-hmm. 2008, confidence down. Next year, market up 22%. 2020, confidence went way down. Next year, up 43%. So let me talk about the averages here. Out of these eight sentiment peaks Mm -hmm. back the last 50 years, the average stock market return the next year, when the American public is feeling great, the average return, 4%. Yep. The eight sentiment troughs, when it couldn't get any worse, the average next year return, 24.9. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that tell us, those of us in the business, those who are professionals, those of us who deal with the American consumer, those of us who are trying to give advice? What, what does that tell you? It tells me, and it should tell the average consumer out there, that you are rewarded for sticking with a plan mm-hmm. and staying invested mm-hmm. in most instances. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting too emotional. Right. Don't get emotional. Don't get emotional. And when you think you need to go to cash, Mm -hmm. and when you think you need to get out, you probably don't. Right. And and you may need to do the opposite. Oh, Bubba, you're asking Mm -hmm. almost the impossible. Right. First of all, the the hanging to a plan Mm -hmm. and not getting out when my survival instinct tells me I Mm -hmm. need to is t- hard, but then to put more in, is that what That's you're what actually saying? saying? Right. Is that what really, really wealthy people, really, really well-seasoned folks do? All the time. Yes, they do. And it's one of the reasons when we look at the collective balance sheet that so many of our assets are in investments because many people have done that, have been taught that, have learned that, and over time, they get rewarded. I'd suggest that if you're a little scared and you're a little concerned, this is probably an indication to you that you need to do something, but don't do something negative. Go to cash. Actually do something positive, which means hang in there and put more in and believe in the American consumer. From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the 
appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.